Good morning. Welcome to this edition of the Richard Urban Show. I am your host, Richard Urban, coming to Restore Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. We present you news and views from God's point of view. Today, we're very happy to have Richard Ojeda, a candidate for U.S. Senate here in West Virginia. So please introduce yourself. Well, uh, thank you very much for having me on your show. Uh, I am retired 24 years United States Army. Uh, when I retired and, and, and come back home, I found myself in the classroom for four years teaching at Chapmanville Regional High School. And then I was also elected as a state senator for the 7th Senatorial District. Uh, in my first year as a state senator, uh, I was able to make West Virginia the 29th state to become legal for medical cannabis. Uh, that wasn't all the things that I was able to accomplish during that session, but that was probably my main, my main fight. Uh, in the, the very next year, uh, as we all know, we had the, the teacher strike. And I feel very comfortable that, uh, you know, I was one of the uh, main characters in, in, in elevating the voices of our educators. So I'm running for office for United States Senate in West Virginia. Uh, during the midterms, I was number one in turning red votes blue. Uh, out of all 435 races, and I believe that I am the best candidate to go forward that has an opportunity to turn a red seat blue in the Senate. Okay, um, so what would you say are your, th you mentioned the medical marijuana on the state level here, certainly I remember that. Um, you, what would you say are your three main platform points for your U.S. Senate uh, candidacy? Well, you know, first off, I would. I want to end Citizens United. Uh, we've got to get big money out of politics. Uh, I want to fight right to work. Uh, I'm a huge supporter of unions. I think people deserve to have a seat at the table. Uh, you know, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're usually on the menu. Uh, and that's where our working class citizens are at today. Uh, so those are two main issues. I also want to give uh, people across this country the ability to have a non-addictive form of pain management, which is cannabis. I'm talking about fighting for medical cannabis across the country. Uh, I want to end forever wars. Uh, you know, those are just some of the top things that I want to that I want to fight for. What do you think about like with the current situation with the whole COVID-19? Um, to me personally, uh, you know, I've been blogging on that a lot and talking about it. That's a really concerning issue about the governors put, you know, putting in a lot of restrictions on constitutional rights. I believe, you know, what do you, what is your view on that? Has there been overreach in um, the uh, mandates and edicts by, you know, the the governors? Well, you know, first off. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going through the COVID-19 here in West Virginia. And I will tell you that for the first time in three years, we finally have a governor that's actually speaking and, and, and trying to educate and help the people. For the first time, uh, our governor's finally stepped up and done something. Across this country, you know, I don't think that we're listening to the experts the way that we should. We should be listening to Dr. Fauci. Uh, I think that, you know, if we do things like opening these areas too soon, I think that we risk the numbers skyrocketing again. The experts have already told us that on the other end, it can be even worse. So my thoughts are, is that we're talking about the lives of our citizens. We have lost over 95, I think we're right about 95,000 deaths since this began in only just a few months. That's more lives than all of the lives lost during the Vietnam War. This is a big deal. And if it's an inconvenience 
to tell people to not go out because we worry. Maybe you have the strength to be able to beat this virus, but people that you come into contact with daily may not have the strength to be able to beat this virus. So I think that we should be listening to leaders, experts, experts in that area. And that's just where I stand. I mean, luckily, you know, I'm, I, you know, campaigning is, is, is being done online. Here we are with you. <laughs> And right. this is a phenomenal way for me to be able to reach voters because actually I can't be out there knocking on doors because if I catch that and I'm delivering it to other people, I'm putting their life in jeopardy and, and, and we cannot allow that to happen. Yeah. Well, you mentioned 95,000. I think that the statistics are the CDC has a lower number, but let's leave that alone for now. What do you say to people who indicate you know, well, that would have to do with the number that this isn't so much different than a flu season or maybe a bad flu season or maybe not even a bad one. I how, think that, how do you feel about that? I think that they're absolutely wrong. Look, we're talking about, okay, let's, let's say if it's not 95, let's say if it's 65. We're talking about little over two months you know, since, since this has really surfaced. You know, President Trump not too long ago was saying, there's 15 cases, soon it'll be zero. That was before we started having deaths. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a global pandemic that is absolutely turning economies upside down. It's, 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 it's causing people to lose everything. You know, this is a serious situation. And I think that we should not play with it. I've got parents that are in their 70s and I'm doing everything in my power to keep them from going out, from going to the stores, anything. I don't want to give up one single person to this virus. Okay, it's clear you stand on that. What about a re somewhat related issue? Like there's been, uh, I was listening to William Binney recently. He was working for the NSA for like 20 plus years or 30 years until like 2001. And he was talking about, you know, the continued surveillance as a result of the Patriot Act and that how actually they're collecting data and then they say they don't collect data. Anyway, the short question is, if uh, when funding comes up, like for the NSA, would you try to defund those kind of surveillance programs on all the citizens of the U.S.? Or do you think they're okay? Or what's your view on that? Well, well, well first and foremost, you know, hopefully if I am, if, if I am given the honor to represent these people and I find out that the NSA are actually doing those things, I'm against that wholeheartedly. And I'll fight tooth and nail to make sure that those things don't happen. You know, we, we cannot, we cannot even allow organizations to privately break the law for the good. You know, that's, that's, that's unacceptable. I, you know, I don't think it's right for these people to be going into people's backgrounds and trying to dig up dirt on those folks when those folks have done nothing to, to deserve that. And we're talking about that going on with everybody and basically them just gathering data and, and, and keeping it stocked up. Unacceptable. Right. Yeah, that, that's been a, a huge problem. Okay, absolutely. Well, uh, I, one issue that's close to my heart is the issue of vaccinations and forced vaccination. As you know, in West Virginia, from being in the Senate, that's something that keeps coming up here, but also on the national level through the National Childhood Safety Act, the liability was removed or the ability to like sue pharmaceutical companies. And we have the so-called vaccine court that's given out like over $4 billion. 
So the short question is like, would you, you know, should you be elected, would you support getting back uh, the ability, for instance, to sue pharmaceutical companies for, you know, injuries from vaccines? Would you oppose that? If, if you, you can prove, if it's proven that vaccines have done that, absolutely. Let me tell you, you know, I'm a huge, I, I want to fist fight big pharma. Uh, for the opioid epidemic that they have thrown on top of us, for their actions in our capitals at the state level and national level, where they go in and they grease the pockets of legislators to buy their freedom, to buy their security, so that they can continue doing the things that they do. They are all about this and not about this. And that's the problem that we have. So let me tell you something, anything I can do, and look, like I said, I believe in you know, uh, taking your shots. You know, I'm not one of those anti-vaxxer folks, but make no mistake about it. I'm also able to look and see and realize that, you know, today, one out of so many children, and it's an alarming number, have autism. And, 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 and you know, we got to wonder, where is all of that coming from? So I'm not against doing the research and putting things in action so that we can pinpoint exactly what this is that is causing this. And make no mistake about it, if it's vaccinations that are being pushed, you can probably guarantee that somebody probably knows that that's taking place. And in that case, they need to go down. Well, very true. I mean, that's been come up with the William Thompson case. And you're right. I mean, I think the, the conflicts of interest are huge, you know, with, with a, a big pharma and yeah, definitely the whole CDC. So uh, like a related question is, so I uh, hear you saying, or would you promote like doing safety studies? I, because now they're not doing like vaccinated versus unvaccinated safety studies. No one knows if the vaccines being introduced or already existing cause more harm than good. Would you like promote doing those kind of safety studies? Absolutely, absolutely. First off, before we stick the first needle into the skin of anybody, there should be testing to make sure. Nobody is a lab rat, nobody, you know, and nobody is expendable. We cannot allow these companies to do. Let me tell you, you know, I am from the, the Southern part of West Virginia. And the opioid epidemic has literally destroyed our communities, has fractured our families. We know now because of information that has been gathered that the people that did this basically knew that they, they used us as lab rats, even caught on video or, or on email basically saying, keep them coming, boys. They're eating them up like Doritos. That's that's the type of people that are at Big Pharma, and they could care about, they could care any, less about you and I. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, even so, this is an interesting question. Like coming up, like uh, you know, President Trump's been saying, maybe we'll have, you know, when uh, with a vaccination possibly coming for the COVID nineteen, maybe we'll have the military giving it because I guess they need more personnel. I thought, no, no, that's wrong. I mean, even if it's not mandated, that's the, totally the wrong message. So if there is a vaccine developed in the future, would should everyone have to take that? I mean, some people are coming out with those kind of things. Hey, you wanna work at some place. You gotta take this vaccine or no job. Do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? I, I, don't, I don't think that that's, that would ever happen. I really don't think that that would happen. I don't think that our country would ever push anything of that of that nature. Now, if they come up with a coronavirus uh, vaccine that can cure 
the disease, then if they want to give that to people that have come down with the symptoms, then if that's if they can prove that it works, I don't have a problem with that. But you know, as far as okay, line up everybody, mandatory. You know, that's I, I don't think that our country will ever ever push anybody to do things in that nature. I hope not. I mean, they've well, been talking I, I about things too. like that. I hope not too, because once again, you know, uh, you know, you always hear about those types of things. But I would like to think that our government's not the type of government that, uh, you know, r rules with an iron fist. Even though right now we have somebody in office that would love to do just that. All right, thanks for your viewpoint on that. You mentioned the right to work. I did see. So, what? Can you explain a little more? What's wrong with the right to work? I mean, it sounds like on the surface, like I know we have it here in West Virginia, right? that it's okay if you don't want to join the union, you let can still you, work. What's wrong me, with that? Let me tell you, when you hear certain terms, Citizens United, right to work, sounds great. They're usually bad. Right to work legislation is a union buster. And that's all that it is. And let me tell you something. They have, you know, when West Virginia, if you go and look at all the right to work states across this country, they are the least paid, have the worst issues on the job, the less, the least safety on the job, more problems with their workers. You know, that's what that is. It's a union buster that basically tells, it, it puts the people at a disadvantage to be able to fight for anything. If you if the average citizen knew what went on behind the scenes in our capitals in terms of the working class citizens, it would sicken them. And I'm talking about like when I was a state senator, there was a bill that was pushed. And the bill was to basically remove the countermeasures around cranes to keep them from falling over. When a crane falls over, usually people die. Right. Train operators were in the Capitol and they were practically, I mean, I saw, I saw some people shedding tears. You are putting me at risk. You are putting my family member at risk. If you do that, we were like, we, we're not going to allow that to happen. But the Republicans pushed it because they had the numbers. They were able to pass it. Basically to them, it's cheaper to write a check to somebody and say, sorry for the loss of your loved one than it is to maintain the countermeasures to keep things from falling over. That's what we have. When you have a state that's a right to work state, they go after all of the safety measures and get to the point where you are basically just working from payday to payday and, 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 and they're still trying to take more from you at every turn. Right to work is bad. It's okay. a right to work for less. All right, they're clear on that. What about the issue of uh, so-called red flag laws with, um, you know, putting restrictions on the right to bear arms because whatever, someone reported you, they said you're, you know, psycho, you know, having, what do you think, uh, what's your opinion on that? Are those kind of laws? I disagree. I disagree. I don't think people should be able to call somebody and, 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 and get them labeled. <clears throat> unless there's absolute without a shadow of a doubt proof. Now, do I think we've got people around here that probably shouldn't be running around carrying weapons? There's probably a few of them that probably shouldn't be running around carrying weapons, but uh, I don't think that we should allow, uh, you know, somebody to make a phone call on somebody and automatically highlight them. It's the same scenario. Remember, I'm the one that pushed to make West Virginia the 29th state for medical cannabis. Do you know how many people come back to me and said, because you passed that, if they pass that, veterans are going to lose their gun rights. No, they're not. 
No, they're not. If they're not, if you're not going to take a person's uh, uh, capabilities that are alcoholics that are on uh, 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 opioids from the government, then why should you touch anybody's issue because of cannabis? You ever see anybody use cannabis and want to go out and fight people? No, you don't. People who use cannabis usually wants to kick back, relax, and eat a lot of snacks. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a little old. I'm, you know, I remember about things like well, that that's you remember, true you remember that you remember the 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 way that they used to want to label people in, in in cannabis now we know without a shadow of a doubt that cannabis can help people that struggle with multiple sclerosis severe dhd ptsd and that's not just soldiers i tell people all the time you show me a person that's a police officer a firefighter a 911 dispatcher you show me somebody that's done that job for 10 years and i'm gonna show you somebody who has a hard time sleeping at night and cannabis can help okay all right. What about recently, you know, we had the proposed um, stimulus bill of the, the, I guess the second one did like, and um, I guess it's going to be dead on arrival in the Senate or has been, but what do you think about it? I mean, it seems like there's so much money being spent. Some people are saying, hey, people can make more money staying at home. And a lot of, well, we already touched on the constitution issues, but what about the idea that so many businesses could be wrecked or even not just the rest garbage or whatever. It's garbage. You don't it's believe garbage. That. It's garbage. First and foremost, you know, I love it how so many people are acting like this. this first UBI can work, you know, trickle down economics, which has been tried for decades. It has always proven to never work. Trickle down economics doesn't work but tripled up economics possibly could. If you put money in the hands of the working class citizens, they spend it locally. They get new tires, they fix their car, they pay off some bills, they get out from under some debt, things of that nature. That's what the average citizen does. And, and, and we have people fighting that because they want it for themselves. And what's sad is that we push these stimulus packages and for the average citizen, you get $1,200. What does the millionaires and billionaires get? Because if you look at it and you do the research, you see that you're getting a little bit and they're getting a lot. 1.6 million to the average millionaires out there. You know, that's that, amazing. And then when you do the math on the stimulus, it actually comes up to where every citizen should receive about $43,000, but you're getting 1,200. Where's the rest of that going? It's going into the pockets of the rich because they're not going to give anybody anything in this country unless they get to wet their beak first. And that's what's wrong with our country. Okay. So you're not worried so much about the issue of the rising debt and things like that? I mean, you know, well, I still believe that if you're going to put that money, you know, if we just said we're going to give it to working class citizens, it'd be the best thing in the world. We're giving it to people that don't need it. Okay, but the people that are getting it, remember, it's your money and it's $1,200, but it's $1,200 that you're going to spend on the economy. And at least then it's going to benefit local mom and pop stores. It's going to benefit the local economies. You got 37,000 people in Logan County, West Virginia. If all 37,000 people got $1,000 each, how much is that? And mark my words, most of it will be spent here locally. Okay. All right. I noticed on your website, like you were, um, Supporting President Trump in 2016, I guess now you're not. Do you want to share anything about that? Absolutely, I do. First and foremost, I supported, I wanted Bernie Sanders. When Bernie Sanders lost, 
First off, know that Bernie Sanders won all 55 counties in West Virginia, all 55 counties. But when they went and they did, and they said, you know, who, you know, who's going to get the, uh, the, the votes, they said Hillary Clinton. They took it from Bernie Sanders, and that put, left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. How can they give Hillary Clinton West Virginia when she didn't win one single county? And a lot of people were angered about that. I was angered about that. And the truth is, is that most people said, we're, we're not going to support that. 30% of Democrats across the country voted for Donald Trump. Now, I quickly saw what a mistake that it was. And I've been after Donald Trump literally from after about three weeks after he won the presidency. And I, my, I stayed the same. I think he's absolutely a train wreck. Okay. All right. That's a clear position. Um, okay. As we're wrapping up, did you want to like share anything else like with the viewers that they should know about your candidacy, why they should uh, choose you in the Democratic primary June 9th? Well, I think that if people research me, you know, you, they will see, you know, a lot of times people think this guy seems like he's always angered. It's passion. You know, I spent 24 years in the military and I thought that, you know, the leadership that I served under in the military was the best I've ever seen in my life. And I thought that that was how it was also on the civilian sector. So when I retired and come home, I didn't find that. I found people with their hands in the cookie jar. I found people that were bullies. And that's when I started challenging people. A lot of people don't know, I won my state Senate race from the emergency room because two days before I won that race, I was struck in the back of the head, knocked unconscious, rolled over and had eight bones broken in my face with brass knuckles. You know, I am not scared to continue wow. standing up and fighting these people. I'm not going to, I don't, they should have killed me. Because make no mistake about it, I refuse to sit back when I see things that are wrong. Never walk past something that you know it's wrong and fail to make comment, for if you do, you've accepted a new lower standard. And I'm the guy that will refuse to sit silent when I see these things going on in Washington, D.C. I will alert everybody as to what has happened. If people go to www.votojetta2020.com, they can check out my page. I also do live videos literally every single week, sometimes twice a week, because I believe in making a two-way line of communication with people and they can ask questions and I answer them right there in front of everybody. Okay, that's great. All right, that's a good conclusion. Well, I thank you very much for uh, coming on today and we'll make this available on video and podcast. And I hope, you know, people will take the time to watch it and, you know, make informed decisions on June 9th. Well, do me a favor, and, and if you can send me this link, I'll put, I got, I got almost 80,000 followers on uh, Facebook, and it's almost 60,000 on Twitter, so I can, get, I can get this thing up and running. I am your host, Richard Irvin, and coming to you from Store Carpenters Ferry. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.